Okay, there it is. We have it. Good evening, everybody. It's good to see you. We're uh, going to be in Galatians if you want to turn there. And then we're going to be in a lot of other places besides Galatians. So please get your swords out and ready to turn at a fast pace. If you are using a Bible app, that's great too. And uh, feel free if you think there's a verse that might uh, just edify the time, you can raise your hand and we can uh, go over that a little bit as well. Um, interesting, you know, that we're in the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. And um, what's interesting about that is that, that Pastor Hoyt couldn't be here tonight. And he, uh, he put a text out to the elders. This is while I was on sabbatical still, right? Yesterday, basically, right? No. And, uh, and he put a text out saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to be gone. I need someone to cover for me. And I think it was like last week sometime he did that. And no one really said much. Kind of, it was like radio silence. And I was thinking, okay, well, I, you know, I could do it. I mean, I'll be back on you know, Wednesday at 1, so I could probably like, put something together. And I'm thinking about that. And well, I came up like uh, Monday a little more. He's asking, hey, I, I don't have anybody. I'm like, yeah, I, okay, I'll, I'll take care of that. So he said, yeah, great. Thank you. Thanks for that. Uh, by the way, we're on patience. Patience is the one that you need to teach on for this coming week. <laughs> like, really? Couldn't be like joy, right? Or, or, you know, or peace. No, it has to be on patience. So I'm, uh, I have that task. And unfortunately, I've really, um, it's something I've been working on in my own life. So it's, it, there's probably a lot of um, things that resonate with me as I, I look at this passage of scripture and as I think about the topic of patience. So uh, we're going to go through that together and just see what, what does this patience look like? What, what is this? How can I maybe define it better so that um, it, it's not such an evil word when someone says, oh, just be patient, right? Or, or oh, this is God's teaching me patience right now. Uh, but we, we understand what is it exactly he is teaching us when, we, when we're there in that, in that moment. Okay? Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and read the passage of Scripture out of 5, uh, 22, Galatians 5, 22, and, uh, and 23. Says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for your word and that it does penetrate our hearts. It's living and active. Tonight, Lord, as we learn, as we grow, as we uh, seek, to, seek to know uh, your truth, God, may you show us that like the way before us, that we might know you more and follow you more closely. Thank you, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I thought I would uh, share a little fun banter with you I had with, uh, with Pastor Hoyt as well uh, regarding this. Uh, this was yesterday, yeah. So um, he said, I said, I'll cover it. He, he says, thanks for your patience. Oh, ha ha. I said, no problem. It gives me great joy. To love you this way and bring some peace. He says, your kindness and goodness in this matter are spurring me on to faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's a good thing. There's no law against these things. Isn't it great? Good banter between elders, right? <laughs> That's fun stuff. Um, as we look at the fruit of the Spirit tonight, I think it's really important for us to remember and understand that this is the fruit of the Spirit of God, right? So this is not... Something that when we come together, like, oh, these are good things to be. I want to be good. I'm going to be a good person, a moral person. Um, these are fruit produced by God's Spirit uh, to or in a yielded believer, right? And it can't be replaced 
by by works. It can't be fabricated and pretended that it's works. And and those these kind of this kind of fruit is not something that's fabricated by human beings. It is a fruit that is grown by God. And there's a difference in there. I want I want to read a um, a little excerpt from a commentary uh, by Warren Wiersbe. He said it really well because I think there are lots of people, lots of friends, lots of neighbors, maybe even you and I at times in our life where, hey, we're trying to do good works. We're trying to be good and, and, and make good decisions, and, and that's good. But, but really, at the, it's, it matters at the heart of this, right? What's at the heart of those good decisions? Because, uh, listen, there's a lot of religious people out there that are good people that are going to pay for their sin on Judgment Day. But ne- God never was able to indwell them because they never received Christ as Savior. So for you and I to understand that when we come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we repent of our sin and turn to him as our everything, he moves in and he starts to say, I'm, I'm going to till the soil. I'm going to make you new. I'm going I'm to make sure you do things that you never knew you could e- even be capable of doing. And, and hopefully you've seen that in your own life. You've seen now maybe you've become more loving or you're more patient, right? Or more at peace or enjoy the things we've talked about, right? You've seen like, how, how is that cultivated? When we talked about our series in, in church on Sunday mornings, watch your mouth, right? What did James say? right? Through the Spirit. He said, no one can what? Tame the tongue. And I was like, we might as well just pack up and leave. It's impossible. But what? By the Spirit of God. By the Spirit of God as he empowers us. Here's what Warren Wiersbe says. The contrast between works and fruit is important. A machine in a factory works and turns out a product, but it can never manufacture fruit. Fruit must grow out of life. And in the case of a believer, it is the life of the Spirit of God. When you think of works, you think of effort and labor and strain and toil. When you think of fruit, you think of beauty and quietness and the unfolding of life. The flesh produces dead works but the Spirit produces living fruit. And this fruit has in it the seed for still more fruit. Love begets more love. Joy helps to produce more joy. Jesus is concerned that we produce fruit. More fruit. Much fruit. Because this is the way we glorify Him. The old nature cannot produce fruit. Only the new nature can do. So, One of the things that really convicted me as I read that, as I thought through that, I think there are days where we just we kind of like show up, don't we? Like, I'm just going to show up. I'm going to put in my time. I'm going to be good. I'm going to do what I know I need to do. And that's, that's important. Obedience is very important. When we talk about a king who's on his throne and in his kingdom and people who are his subjects or servants, we, we are to be loyal to the king. But there's so much more, isn't it? This king is so much more. He gives us his spirit inside of us and empowers us to to a new type of life, a new type of peace, a new type of love, a new type of joy, a new type of patience. Even True or false? Building Christian character must take precedence over displaying special abilities. I'm going to say true. True, true. Any false out there? Uh, yep. Christian character must take place or precedence over displaying special abilities or works. Obedience. Should, shouldn't character count first? Why? Why does character count first? 
That, that's it, Jim. What did you say? That's how you. That's how you know who you are inside, right? Just like we said, the tongue is the tattletale of the heart, right? Fabricated works will tell on your heart every day. Like, oh, you're not really in it. But fruit, fruit, when fruit is displayed, they pluck that fruit. They know exactly what the source of that was, right? We know where the heart was what was changed. So for you and I, as we look at the fruit of the Spirit, we must understand, we must know, we must embrace the fact that it is about being a, a, a person inside, that from character and changing from the inside out. Works can be fabricated, but real fruit cannot. Real fruit cannot. It can, I mean, we can make plastic fruit, right? We can put it on our little basket and on our table, and like, look at this nice fruit, right? That's not real fruit. You take a bite out of that, you're going to be sorely taken, right? Disappointed. What's that? Yeah, you're going to the dentist. Maybe the dentist, right? Um, I, want, I want to look at also the fruit of the Spirit. It's, it's, I don't know if Hoyt has broken this down, but I'm going to. There's kind of three different sections to the fruit of the Spirit. The first three, the middle three, and the, and the last three. And, and we're kind of heading on into the second section. But let, I just want to let you know kind of what they, what they are. It's kind of like when you look at the Ten Commandments. Yeah, the first four have to do with what? Your relationship between you and God. And the last six have to do with our relationship between us and people, right? That's, that's kind of how it's. So when Jesus says the whole law can be summed up in this, love God and love your neighbor, right? That's, that's all there. The, the fruit of the Spirit is, is, it looks this way. The first three, love, joy, and peace, have to do with, with the God-word relationship aspects of our faith. It's that what we get from God through a relationship with God and what we give back to God as an overflow. So he, he, in his relationship to us, gives us love. He loves us and gives us grace to us, right? And his grace fills us with joy. He gives joy and we have, because we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that relationship should be back and forth. I should be at peace with God, not an enemy with God, right? I should have joy overflowing because of my relationship with God. That's how I relate to God, right? Certainly those aspects are going to be true to be, relate to other people as well, but it has to be first and foremost a God-word aspect of are the fruit of the spirit. The next three are manward. Okay? So we switch gears, love, joy and peace were godward. Then the next three are patience, kindness and goodness. Patience, kindness and goodness. That's how we treat the one another's, other people. Right? And so tonight we're looking at patience and that's going to be interesting, right? Uh, sometimes I think we think oh it's just a character trait God's going to grow me in so he and I are tighter. Well no, this is how God wants to he wants to grow that in you so that you can relate to others the way that he actually relates to you and I. So the, the man word fruits are patience, kindness, goodness. And then finally, the last three are, are self word, right? They're self word. Think about this. It's the internal ones, the ones I deal with and struggle with, the ones I look at the mirror and say, better shape up, Brandon. You better work on that. What are those ones? Faithfulness. Like being, being who I say I am. It's, it's being a man of integrity and, and, or a woman of integrity. Have it being honorable is faithfulness. Next one is gentleness or meekness. It comes down to humility. Like, like letting my ego go and, and humbling myself, lowering myself, considering others as more important than my own, my, my own self, right? So it's hard. An ego check is not this way first. An ego check is always, well, this way. And then it's this way. It's internal, right? God's like, hey, wait a minute. Check that at the door. And then self-control is the final fruit of the Spirit. Self-control, is, is, it's a me, it's, a, it's an inward, self-word aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. So we've divided them into three sections, right? God-word, man-word, and then inward, self-word, fruits of the Spirit. So today, we're looking at patience. 
And again, I was so excited to, uh, to hear from Hoyt that I was going to be doing this. During dinner tonight, I was sitting with a couple, and she very honestly said, I never pray for patience. I never, ever pray for patience. Why do you think she said that? Why, why, do we, why would we not pray for patience? Because God what? Okay, so let's, let's build on that. Well, okay, she already thinks she's going to fail, right? God will give us it to learn. It's, that's what it is. It's really lesson time, right? When, when we pray for patience and then we go to the DMV and we lose our cool, that was on us. God's like, hey, I hear you. I hear you, brother. I hear you, sister. There you go. Time to be patient, right? Let's work on some patience here. Hard, isn't it? And, and, but I really want us to expand the word patience a little bit so we can understand really what we're talking about because it it's, goes further than just, I need to be quiet and like just kind of have a smile on my face and be like not smile and wave in my heart. No, there's, it's a heart change, right? This is not, a, you cannot fabricate this as a work. It is a fruit produced from whatever's in your heart. Here, here's the definition. Patience is from uh, makroth umaya, Greek word. And here's what it has to do. It has to do with the tolerance and long suffering that will endure injuries inflicted by others. Patience, right? It is, it is the tolerance, meaning you having a tolerance and a long suffering, which means we can suffer a long time, that will endure when we are inflicted by others with injury, however they might injure us. Right? Maybe they cut us off at the lighter. I mean, how many times, how many times have I been convicted of this? In my mind, I've, I've uttered, you know, underneath my tongue, like, that dummy does not use a blinker. I, that is, that's not very tolerant and long-suffering and enduring. I mean, it, I, to me, I feel they're injuring me, right? You didn't tell me what you were doing. I think a lot of patience is developed at the DMV and with automobile things, by the way. All right, that's kind of, no, it's more than that. I will. So uh, it is, it has to do with the tolerance and long-suffering that will endure injuries inflicted by others. Dot, dot, dot. There's more. It's, it's more than just that. Here's what it is. It is a slowness in avenging wrongs. It is a slowness in avenging wrongs. Now, this is where it gets tricky. We can practice not avenging ourselves, right? I don't go out and just carry out justice every time I think, but how many times in my heart do I do that? How many times in my, because this is a fruit is from the heart, right? So I can fabricate patience by just holding my tongue, rolling my eyes, maybe not in sight and just kind of going with it and kind of getting red underneath. That's, that's a fabricated patience. A patience that is a fruit of the spirit is an actual heart change right? That says, I'm going to be slow from my heart in, a, in, in avenging or having to avenge wrongs. It is, it is the calm, here, this is where it goes on, it is the calm willingness. Willingness comes from the heart, amen? Willingness. It is the calm willingness to accept situations that are irritating or painful. It's not fun. But, but when I, even when I hear that definition, patience is a, is a whole new thing now. We, we cannot, we need to stop thinking that patience can be fabricated. If I just would hold my tongue, 
I'll get through this. Lord, give me strength. You know, strength what? To not already judge your brother or sister from your heart? I mean, we already probably murdered them from our heart if Jesus was there, right? That if you hated your brother, you've killed them. That's not patience. And really, what helps us with this heart condition is to think about how the Lord has treated us. The Lord has been patient with us. So, uh, again, the, the last part of that definition, it's the calm willingness to accept situations that are irritating or painful. Again, think DMV. A patient person will sow goodness where others will sow evil. And, and uh, again, we can sow evil as we spew something out publicly to another person, right? But that's just out, outright not being patient. We know that's not patient. But we can also sow evil if we are trying to fabricate patience and we just sow it back inside our own heart. Our heart's producing something though, isn't it? It's producing a what? A fruit? A fruit grows from a what? A seed? And if we are sowing a seed of evil, what is going to grow in our heart and from our heart? Evil. Right? Paul, Paul writes in Galatians, uh, the spirit and the flesh are what? At odds. They are at odds. They are in a fight for the, to the death. And if we are going to sow evil seeds, we are only feeding the flesh out of us. And, and you talk about patience, it's, it's gone. It's out the window. You don't have a chance. I don't have a chance. So it's, it's important for us to sow goodness when others would sow evil. But again, that's only something the Spirit can do in us. Okay, so let's look at um, let's look at some text tonight in Scripture, and, and I want to start with God's patience. Okay, turn to Psalm uh, eighty-six, if you would. Psalm eighty-six. We're gonna be bouncing around all over the place. I haven't preached in a long, long time, right? So I really have a lot in me to give tonight. Ready, Dan? You ready for that? I who knows. Not when it gets dark. Psalm uh, 86 and uh, in verse 15. Let's look at the character of God, this character of God, right? But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God. What does it mean to be compassionate and gracious? Well, it goes on. Slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and God's character. This is God's, This is who God is. No wonder God is the only one who can produce this in us, because it's a, it's a characteristic of God. You, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth. Let me ask this question. We talk about slow slowness, right? What is this slowness from God producing? Explain endurance. Okay, but let's that we'll get more into that in a minute. But I want you to think about this from the aspect of this is who God is. So God's slow. What is he? He is compassionate and gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in faithful uh, love and truth. So what is his slowness producing? Say it again. It is. It's the epitome of patience, right? Right. It's patience. What else is it producing? 
in us or from him, what's it producing? Hope. Yeah, hope. Love. Jim again? Time, time to think. He has, <laughs> yeah, he's not destroying us, right? He's abounding in faithful love. He's compassionate and gracious. Nate? Grace, right? He's gracious. His slowness is producing more and more grace. Right? When Jesus came, he was full of what? Grace and truth. He came full and revealed himself to us so we would believe and have life in his name, right? That this, is what, this is who God is for us. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in faithful love and truth. So what can we learn from that? Well, if patience is being slow to, in this case, anger, what is, what is the opposite of, of, of impatience? Impatience would be that this slow to being slow to anger is that I am, I am full of uh, faithful love and I'm full of tr- truth and I'm, I'm full of compassion and I'm full of graciousness. He, he models it well for us, doesn't he? What's it producing? I wrote down a few things. It's producing more faith. I can trust him. He's a compassionate father. I, I mean, I think about how the, how the way I treat my children and the way I try to interact with my children. I, I, there have been plenty of times early on when I was brand new at this I just lost my cool. I'm like, I, I can't believe you're, I mean, come on, they're three years old. Sure, you can believe it, right? But I couldn't. I was a young dad. And, and then, I, then, then you, what happens, why do we really become impatient? Because we start taking things what? Personally, from our children. Because what they think of me matters the most in this world. Right? And it's super accurate, I'm sure. Like, they have figured it out. No. Right? So we check our ego and say, wait a minute, I, I'm not going to let them define who I am. I'm just going to show them who I am, like God has done for us. Right? How many times have we kicked and screamed at God, and God's just been, what's he been? He's been compassionate and gracious. He's been slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth to us. That's who God is. That's what patience is. So it increases our faith. There's a steadfastness or an endurance there, Jenny, as you said, uh, that, hey, we can, we can keep going. We, we can endure because God's, God's faithful love endures. It's not just, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm toast, right? His, his destruction is here. And I, and I love that, the idea that because his destruction, his judgment is real, he's slow to anger. Why? Because he wants us to repent. He wants us to, to become, come to him for, for life and for salvation, right? And, and, and he does not, I want, you can write this in your notes if you want. He does not delay his promise. He does not delay his promise. Some people would think of that. Like, well, you're, you're, you're not following through. You're not doing what you said. And what God would say is, yet. I'm not doing it yet. And you have no idea why. If you only knew, you wouldn't even complain about it. There was a time in Scripture, and, and if you want to turn to 2 Peter, back to the New Testament, almost to the end. Make those fun noises as you go. Uh, it's Second Peter. That's right after First Peter, Mike. <clears throat> Yvette. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I'm back too. Second Peter three. We're looking at three through nine. Three. Uh, Second Peter three, three through nine. It's, it says here above all. Be aware of this. Okay, it's good for us to, it's like, hey, hey, listen up, be aware. Be aware of this. Scoffers will come in the last days, scoffing and and following their own evil desires, saying, 
Where is his coming that he promised? Ever since our ancestors fell asleep, all these things continue as they have been since the beginning of creation. That's, that's how they're scoffing, right? So they think about this, a couple things, first of all. When we scoff and, 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 and doubt the circumstances of what's going on in life, or even a promise from God, we are being impatient, okay? And it tells us here where that impatience comes from. It says, scoffers will come following their own evil desires, right? So again, this is a heart character issue. And if we're showing evil, our evil desires will come up. The flesh will start to win over the spirit and, and we'll follow our own evil desires. But scoffers, mockers will come too. And they'll say, hey, wait, where's Jesus? He promised he would come. And, and our, our ancestors have just been dead since the time they fell asleep and nothing's changed. And then he goes on, he says in verse five, they deliberately overlook this. What do they overlook? By the word of God, the heavens came into being long ago and the earth was brought about from water and through water. Through these, the world of that time perished when it was flooded. By the same word, uh, the present heavens and earth were stored up for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction uh, of the ungodly. Now, this is a description. Here, here's what he's saying. They come saying, where's God and his promise? They lived all about, what, three minutes, right, of this earth? Let's say 50 years, whatever. They weren't very old. How were they? They didn't live very long, but they're like, oh, where, where's this promise that has been promised? And, and what's the author saying? The Holy Spirit say, hey, listen, who do you think you are? I am from forever to forever. I created this whole thing. I destroyed it once, and I've stored up wrath to destroy it again. That's who I am. Would you like to ask your question again about me being slow? Of course, the answer would be, oh, sorry, sorry, right? Verse 8, dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. Verse 9, underlining your Bibles, the Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but he is what? Patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Wow. Wow, right? What is patience? It is God is patience. And, and how do we know? The Lord is compassionate and gracious slow to anger, abounding in faithful love and truth. That's his promise. He, and, and guess what? He will not delay his promise. He will come when he intends to come. In the meantime, he is gracious and compassionate, full of love and truth, so that we might have life in him. So, why do people scoff? Why do people become impatient with the Lord? Doubts? We want it in our time. We want, to, we want to see it. but And I think sometimes, I think, yes, we want to see it. I really do want to see it. But I think we just really want it in our time. right? Our timing is supreme. We, we run our calendar, right? We, we run our day and our schedule. We think, we'd like to think so anyway, right? His sometimes doesn't fit, right? And, and I think often I maybe know best or know better. Why do people scoff, right? Ultimately, it is a heart issue though, isn't it? Scoffers are impatient. Impatience is a fruit of the, or patience is a fruit of the spirit. Impatience is a fruit of the flesh. So what we sow, we will start to reap and grow in us. But for you and I, that character has to be so important. I, you know, I need to character counts. What I'm thinking from the heart, what I'm feeling from the heart, what I decide from the heart is what 
matters here. He is patient, so we repent. Romans 2, verse 4. Go ahead and turn there. started talking about judging. Uh, Paul talks about this here in Romans. And Romans 2, 4. It says, Do you despise the riches of his kindness, restraint, and patience? Not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. When we look at God and we think he's, he's delaying or he's absent, I think the best, that is something he is teaching us, patience right there. He's teaching us trust and faith. When God seems distant or far, it is a, it is a wake-up call for you and I to be like, oh, wait, he's being kind with me in some way. He's, he's dealing with me as a father deals with his children. He might be disciplining me. And, and I, I want to I learn from that. I want to grow from that. I want to know what the Lord would have for me. You despise that? The riches of his kindness and restraint and patience? not recognizing, recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. I, I love that passage of Scripture. Now, in order to understand God's kindness, we have to understand what he's being kind about. Right? That restraint, that patience that God has, what does that have to do with? What's his restraint and patience over? Our behavior, our sin, Right? The, the, the rightful judgment and consequences that you and I all deserve because of our sin, right? And I, and I think about this often now as a father. I, I want to come down hard sometimes. And sometimes I need to. Sometimes my kids need direction immediately. But oftentimes when I'm dealing with the heart, I've got, I've got to let them, I've got to talk to them. I let them think about it. Come back. Let's talk again. And, and make sure we, we can talk heart to heart. You know, I, I, don't, I don't want my kids just to obey. I want my kids to obey from their heart because they understand what obedience is good for. Right? There needs to be something growing inside of us. Uh, I wrote, I drew, I drew a picture on my notes. True story. A little picture on my notes. It's a church building with a what? A, you see that? A bolt of lightning. Like some people think that, right? Oh, if I walked into a church, it would strike me dead. The fact that it hasn't already means God loves you and is patient with you. Come in and find salvation before the lightning bolt strikes. Right? Yeah, that's his restraint. He's, he's restraining himself from that. So we look at God's patience. We know he's gracious and loving and compassionate, abounding in faithful love and truth. Uh, and he's slow. He has a slowness about him. That, but his promise, he, on his promise, he does not delay. Next thing I want to look at is God's patience as an example for us to model and see how we can model that. So turn to 1 Timothy, if you would. Going back and forth through the New Testament. First Timothy chapter one. It is, yeah, just before. Before we read this, for First uh, Timothy one, beginning in verse twelve, uh, in what ways is God's patience an example for us? We talked about some of these. In what ways is God's patience an example? Uh, we're at 1 Timothy 1, 12, following. In what ways is God 
uh, is, is, is God's patience an example to us? Be slow, right? So slow to anger is a good example for us. What else? Time to think, right? Okay, what else? How else is he, his patience an example for us? Comes to mind. Well, it, yeah, that's that's slow, but it, they're slow slow to what? Slow slow to move, right? But the idea is it's intentional, isn't it? He he doesn't delay his promise, so he, it's not like I'm just I'm too busy today. I'll figure it out. That's not an example of God's patience, right? God's patience is very intentional. Should ours be intentional? Absolutely. Right. We should think about what 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 should I do? What what's what is best? What would God's spirit want me to do? It should be a lesson, but but it should be a time to think like and ask: Am I following the spirit, or am I following the flesh? I, I would I would venture to guess all of us in this room probably are sixty to eighty percent just flesh followers. Like we we follow on impulse. Like this is what we do. It's natural. It's just who we are, right? Um, and, it, and it's not always good for us. And sometimes we don't. And sometimes we don't know we're doing it. We don't consciously make that decision. One of the things I, I learned, I've learned on the sabbatical. I'll give you a statistic, and there'll be more to come in the following month or years on this. The average American. This is just a fleshly response. Touches their cell phone device twenty five hundred times a day. The average person, average, 2,500 times a day. I don't, I don't intend that at all. But we do. It's in my pocket right now. I've already touched it a couple times while I'm up here. Right? And then thinking about just those, that flesh that we're, we're not even thinking about it, right? And if God's modeling slowness, I think we ought to slow ourselves down and think, what, how can I be super intentional in this time of impatience? I remember Max Lucado uh, he he went. He has a, a book. I mean, Janet, maybe you have this book too. The little one. I can't remember. It's, it's a promise. It's a daily devotion book. Um, I got it years and years ago. But right in the front of it is a prayer through the fruit of the spirit. And he talked about one of the things. That he, and this goes back to automobile stuff and DM, DMV. But he talked about that time where you know instead of instead of cursing the driver in front of me, I'll take this time as an opportunity to pray. The bookmark. So important, right? Like there's an intentionality. Like like we think it's a waste of time. We'd rather be doing. We'd rather not be inconvenienced. We'd rather not be in pain. We'd not rather not be injured. But what's, what was our definition again, right? It's a slowness in avenging others. It's the calm willingness to accept a situation that might be irritating or painful. And then we practice from the fruit of God's spirit in us, not from the fruit of the, of the seed of the flesh, but from the fruit of God's spirit. God, how can I be intentional with this moment? It's because is that moment foreign to God? Did that moment moment at the DMV or in the in line or with your neighbor or did that moment like rattle God's throne room in heaven? Not at all. It's like that 
yeah, that's, I, or, I ordained that, right? So God, God's in God's sovereignty. He knows and it's there. <laughs> I have company. Let's, let's look at for 1 Timothy chapter 1. What way is his patience an example? 1 Timothy 1, 12 through uh, 17, Paul writing here, he says, I give thanks to Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, appointing me to the ministry. This is crazy. Paul. Paul's like, I guess God, Jesus, he, he, he considered me faithful. Why? I don't know. Let's see. Verse 13. Even though, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, blasphemer, a persecutor, and an arrogant man. But I received mercy because I acted out of ignorance and unbelief and the grace of our Lord overflowed along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. What is Paul saying? I don't know why. God got a hold of me and God changed my heart and he considered me even though. That's so important for us to look at that as an example. He considered me, verse, part of verse 12, verse part of 13, even though. In spite of you. Even when you were a pain in the derriere. Even when you were irritating. Even when your words or your attitude would cause him or his gospel injury. He considered you, even though. Paul realizes this. He goes on. Verse 15, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. That's important. That means it's important. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. That's what Paul says. I, I, I look at Paul, I'm like, wait, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm the worst of them. Right? And maybe you can say that too. But, verse 16, but received mercy. I received mercy for this reason. Here's a reason, right? So that in me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary what? Patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is very important for us to think through and, 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 and to understand this example, right? You and I, who, who were once sinful, blasphemers, persecutors, and arrogant people, whatever, we, whatever list you want to make, you and I were saved through faith in Jesus Christ, even though we were sinners. And you know what's one of the greatest examples of his patience to us? Is that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That even though you and I were that way, he still considered us. And if that's an example... You know, I hear it all the time. Do you, you ever hear this? Like, I'm not going to that church. It's full of hypocrites, right? Or I don't, I can't believe those Christians. I, I, if, if so-and-so knew what that person was like. Now, there is something to be said. When we come to faith in Christ, he makes all things new. The, the old person is gone and the, and the new comes and we start to produce a fruit. And sometimes we wrestle with that and it's hard, but we should be growing more and more obedient, more and more faithful to Jesus. We shouldn't look like the actual hypocrites that Jesus pointed out as the Pharisees, right? But, but you and I, May, we all have a past, and someone may know that past. But when they look at us and they say, oh, so I know that person's past, yeah, so did Jesus, and he saved me even still. That's how, and that's how patient my Jesus is, and that's how patient my Jesus can be with you as well. Most of those people, 
all of those people have their own sin, don't they? Have their own baggage, right? We, we've all, if we're in faith in, in Christ, we've all been saved from our sin, from our baggage. And, and Paul considers himself the worst of all sinners. If you thought you were the worst, you're not. Paul says he is, and it's in the Bible, so it must be true, right? But it's this example. He, he, he did this. He did this. He, he saved me. I received God's mercy for this reason, that Christ might demonstrate in his extraordinary patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. You know what's awesome about God's patience and, and us being patient like God's patient with us is people see that and say, yes, that's what I need. I don't need to be under the thumb anymore. I don't need to be told how bad I am. I don't need to be told the list of rules to follow and what to wear. I just need a Savior who will be a father and, 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 and someone I can entrust myself to who will shepherd my heart and change my heart. Patience also, what's neat about patience and, and disturbing about patience is patience lets us share in the sufferings of Christ. You see, when we're injured, when we're irritated, when we're put out, we're suffering. And sometimes that's because of Christ and his work and his gospel and that we're Christians. Peter writes in 1 Peter 4, Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. He says, don't be surprised. I think you and I, in our flesh, we, we, we get all antsy, like, oh, that car, or man, I missed it, that red light, or oh, whatever it is, they got my order wrong, or it's not shipped here on time, it's not two-day shipping anymore, what? We get upset, right? He says, don't be surprised when fiery ordeals come your way, like if something strange was happening to you. We consider it strange. And, and you know what? When we consider it strange, we lose our cool. We lose our patience, don't we? It's like, my, my six-year-old is doing what? Is that strange? It's not strange. right? We, we shouldn't consider that strange. And, and my nine-year-old did, eh, nope, it's not strange. This person, this, this human being who doesn't know Jesus at all, who, who cut me off or flipped me off or, or yelled at me or did, I mean, is that strange? No, it's inconvenient. It irritates me. But man, I, I go to judgment pretty quickly, don't I? My heart goes, oh, how dare they? I, I had a talk with someone recently. It was an interesting conversation because, you know, the Lord talked about in Matthew on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, if you, uh, you've heard it said before that you should not commit adultery, right? But what did Jesus say? He says, I, I tell you that if you look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery in your heart. He goes on, right? He goes on, he says, you've heard, do not murder. But I tell you, what? That if you have called your brother fool, if you've hated him from your heart and called your brother Raka, you've already murdered him in heart. I was having this conversation with this person, and I, I said, you know, it's, it's tough. It's a tough life. And I, I, I've murdered, I, I think I made a comment at some point in, in, in a sermon about murdering my children. Like, in, in, in tongue-in-cheek, but the idea of, Man, how many? If, if Jesus was here, he would have said I would have, I've murdered my kids like twenty times because of you get that that irritation goes inside your soul, right? I know you're all like, can he say that at church? But I, I'm being real, right? That's serious. In my heart, in my sinful human heart, in response to my child's disobedience or my child's whatever, I have called them fool in that hateful way, not not even verbally in my heart. And Jesus would say what about me? Murderer. Murderer. 
and so in this conversation, I, I, I brought this up in a sermon, I don't know, months ago. And I had a conversation with this person. And they were saying, like, you really think like you're guilty of murder? Like, yeah, I do. Jesus would say I am. I w- I'm sure of it. I don't, I don't think I've ever been, and this person said, I don't think I've ever been so angry at somebody to, to, like, to constitute murder in my heart. And, and so I, I had to think about that a little bit. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to judge you and say, oh, you have too. But I, I'm trying to think through, how can I help this person see where this actually comes from? And here's what it came down to for me. The root of the rock of fool hate in my heart comes across with these three words. How dare How dare you? And as soon as I go to how dare you, I have just murdered somebody in my heart. Kind of controversial, isn't it? It's kind of, I, I, would, I think it's true. I, I, I live by that truth because I, I don't want to go there. And, and, and you know, I think we, we live in a society, we live in a country that has laws. And of course, people should be accountable to their actions. And certainly they, they should not break the rules and break the laws. And if they do, they should be held accountable, right, to the fullest extent of the law possible. But when I say, how dare you, what is that actually saying? Don't worry even about the law. You've, you've what? You've sinned against me, and I'm going to pass judgment. And whose job is that really to do? Not mine. It's God's job. It's God's job. And you know where most of my impatience used to come from? How dare you? I was frustrated. I was, I was put out. I was irritated. I was injured in some way. And what is our definition again? It, it goes back, it says it's this tolerance and long-suffering that will endure injuries inflicted by others. It's a slowness in avenging, right, or getting even. It is the calm willingness to accept situations that are irritating and or pain, painful, even if people were wrong. And I would say, especially people are wrong. Because if I am saying, how dare you, in my heart, it's coming across in my attitude, right? And I can't really love that person the way Christ has loved me if I'm, not, if I'm murdering them in my heart. So the how, how dare you's have to come down, right? And then what, what do we do? When patience, or when patience uh, and, and, and the how dare you's come down, we start to grow in patience, but we, we suffer a little more. And what did I say? Suffering is identifying with Christ. Don't be surprised when these things come your way. Instead, rejoice that you get to share in the sufferings of Christ. That's what, that's what Peter writes, right? That, that we can share in the sufferings. We should rejoice in that. So the next time you want to say, how dare you? You're like, praise God. Praise God. Praise Jesus. I get to rejoice that I'm suffering in some way, even though it may irk me, even though I'm, I, I don't like it. I'm, going to, I'm sharing in the sufferings. So you can rejoice then with great joy when his glory is revealed, it says. See, this is a, a forward-looking thing. The example of patience says, what really just happened doesn't matter in light of eternity as much as I think it does. Right? What really just and And I would say this, more import, it's more important in light of eternity how you and I respond. Our response, our impatience, our actions towards somebody, 
that that could help slow the process of that person's heart. Who knows? I, I don't. I don't want to be part of that. I don't want to be part of shutting a door on somebody. Right now, God's sovereign over that, and He's going to save who He's going to save. But I want to be a part of my Father's business. I don't want to be a stumbling block. I don't want to be the one of those people that say, "Oh, that that church is full of hypocrites." I want to model the example of patience, like my Father, my Father in heaven does. Uh, it goes on. If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of uh, the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, as a meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in having that name. So we shouldn't suffer for our own suffering's sake. Like it's like, oh, oh no, I did something wrong, and now I'm suffering. I should be okay, even if I'm in the right. When I'm in the right, especially when I'm in the right. This, to suffer and to, to identify and share in the sufferings of Christ. Uh, next, next passage in James chapter 1. You want to turn there with me. <clears throat> yeah, Nate. Yeah, you bet. Well, it's pride. It's because it, when I say, how dare you, I'm saying, I know better. You shouldn't have done that against me or, or maybe even someone I really love or care about. I could even, I, there was an instance I used to work in the police department, right? Where I had one of those moments. We had a, a, a mom and a, her, their kids come in, right? And there's an abuse case that happened. And, and this dad had done something evil, evil. None of us would ever argue that. We would all be like, how dare you? Tell you what, that police force that day was up in arms. We were mad. All day long, we're staking out the house, trying to find this person, and trying to watch for, for this person. Uh, never shows his face anywhere, never comes out. We don't know what's going on. Towards the end of my shift, late at night, we get a call over the radio. One of our other guys spotted the vehicle leaving a gas station. So my partner and I, we whip in behind and we get out. And, and that, how dare you? It's amazing. I mean, we're fully justified to say that was evil. You were evil and you were wrong to do that. But I was a police officer with a gun drawn on a man, and my heart said, please do anything. Please do anything. How dare you, right? And that stems from pride. It stems from maybe a lack of confidence that someone else could hold someone accountable. Um, but ultimately, it's, it's that I have been hurt. I have been injured, right? And, and really, we have to, the, the, the way we get over that is to say, I, I am nothing, really. And Jesus is everything. And I've really done everything against him. And that my sin is no different than that person's sin. And how he's treated me and my sin is the same way he will treat that person and their sin if they would repent and come to faith. So because he loved me and I've received that love and received Christ as Savior, now I can love a different way. And, and so I have to catch myself when the how dare you start to climb in. No, that's not loving. That's not how Christ loved me. If he, imagine if Christ loved us that way. And he would be the only one just to do that. We'd be dropping like flies, zap, zapping all over, right? But it comes, it comes from really a, a pride. And I think, I think a, a wrong weighing of our own sin, a, a lack of internalizing and saying, you know what, my, my heart was just as black, maybe blacker. If Paul says he's the worst, he's the worst. I mean, we have to, we have to step back and say, I'm not, I'm not the judge. Now I can discern, that's a whole other topic, right? Who are you to judge? And whole other topic to go into that. We, we can certainly rightfully judge one another, but we take out the plank to judge the speck, right, and remove, remove a speck, uh, and it's for the edification and building up of one another, the iron sharpening iron for one another. 
It's never to be like, how dare you? And wait, I'm going to be the judge, jury, and executioner. That attitude is, that has no place in any human being at all. Only God has that. Does that, is that good? Yeah. Yeah. Right, it, it creeps in, doesn't it? Right. How many times have I come home and my expectation hasn't been met? That was never even talked about or said. It was just something I, when I get home, this is what's going to, it's going to look like this. What, they, they're supposed to know, right? Isn't that supposed to just be our wives? Do that? No, we do that, don't we? Right? It said that women think that we can read their minds, but men are just as bad. We think that women or our family should read our minds. And we come home, and, and I, it's hard. And I think that, honestly, is probably where I still struggle the most. And, and what's, here's the hard part. It's that fabrication of works versus the character change from within. Because what I know is when I walk through that door, and as soon as I start getting flush and red and like, oh, tight, and I don't say a word because that's wrong. But I'm still so wrong, right? It was right to not say anything. It was good. I produced a work from the factory machine that produced a work. But the fruit, there's a seed that's been sown there that, that needs to be tested, right? My prayer now, when I'm coming home, is God, uh, I may have expectations, but just let me serve my family and love my family the way I need to. I, one of the things I, that's helped me a lot is that as I go home, I, I say, you know, my job may have changed, but it did not end as I drove up the driveway. So I, and, and, and there are days I call my wife ahead of time saying, hey, this is where I'm at. This is my mental space. This is my spiritual space. I'm going to take a drive around the block a couple times, a couple laps, pray, whatever. Or I'll just, can you, can you take care of this for a few minutes while I just kind of decompress? Or, or hey, I'm going to be sitting out in my truck for about 10, just in the driveway. Nothing's wrong. I'm just kind of trying to get ready for my battle coming up, right? I think it's so important to do that because I, I want there to be fruit and not just works because I, I, can, I can not say something to my kids and my family, but I can sure slam the dishes around and slam cupboards and kick the dog and, you know, and not really kick the dog. That's, that's not right, right? But I can, I can appear almost to do everything right, but the heart is so far, far from God. All right, so it's, it's a welling up fruit of the Spirit. Good, good thoughts, though. Again, it. Right, what well, I think also is important, because well, what does that mean? What does that say? But they, God loves this person, too. Which means, he loved us first. Right, and I was equally, if not more, of a schmuck than that person. Right? James, James chapter 1, that's, the next, that's where this goes next. How, what do we do about this? How, how does this work? Because a lot of us can fabricate it all day long, but God's like, got nothing. Right? Here's what James says. There's kind of three sections to this passage, uh, beginning in verse 19. Really, the whole thing is great, but 19. 
My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Stop there. This first section I, I labeled, stop. Stop it. I, I have to tell myself that all the time. I, my son is like, he loves to talk. And, he, and, when, he, and he, when he wants to reason, and, and I won't say argue, but it's arguing, right? He wants to reason and kind of like battle about something. I, I, I'm not, we're done. I, we've already talked about this. We're done. We're not going further. And I'll, I have to literally tell him, Wesley, stop. You, you, are not, you cannot speak about this anymore. And, and then, of course, what does he do? <laughs> he tests my patience, right? But I wrote, stop. It's just stop. If we want to be patient, if we want to be like Jesus, stop. Stop getting irritated. Stop being quick to speak, stop. And, and what is it, when I stop, what, what are the things that are saying that for us to do? Uh, be quick to listen. That was, a, that was like an action we should do, right? Quick to listen. Like, so take in what's really going on around you. Not just with a person verbally talking, but what, if you're in the grocery store, you're in the DMV, wherever you might be, take in what's really going on. Try to process that a little bit and think through that. And then at the end of verse uh, 21, he says, humbly receive here, here's how this how we do this. Here's how we are not quick to anger. Here's how we are not uh, being unrighteous. We humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Implanted. That sounds like gardening, like a seed being sown, right? So we have to humbly receive the word. So it's stop. And then I would say the next section is called consider. Consider God's word. Humbly receive the implanted word. Verse 22, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. If he looks at his, himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of person he was, uh, or, he, or he, he does that, right? But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer uh, uh, who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. Consider, so important. And going back to what Nathan was saying a minute ago and just this idea of my, of my ego check I need. I love the word here. He says, you, he, the one who looks what? Intently into the perfect law of what? What's the word there? What is it? Freedom. Freedom? God's perfect law gives me freedom. Freedom from what? Anger. Alice, right? Uh, moral filth that's so prevalent. It, the things that are of the flesh, God's word gives us freedom. Listen, God's word along with God's spirit are what inform the growth in our heart, the fruit in our heart. So we're going to the word of God. We're considering it. We're thinking about that. And we're going to be blessed in what we do. And then uh, the next section, beginning at verse 26, uh, be transformed, I wrote. If anyone thinks he's religious without controlling his tongue, again, going back to the tongue, his religion is what? Useless, and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after widows and orphans in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Pretty clear. We stop. 
we consider the word of God and let it impact our lives and our hearts and let it give us freedom. And when we have freedom, we will have a pure and undefiled religion before God that looks after others and keeps oneself from being stained and polluted by the world. <coughs> that includes growing in patience. When we are not slow to anger or you know, patient, what does that say about us? When we are not slow to anger, what does that say about us? When we aren't patient, what does that say about us? We're not tolerant. And this isn't like the woke word tolerant, like we have to tolerate all you know weird things, right? What else what does it say? When we aren't patient, what does it say about us? Yeah, we are not growing in the fruit of the Spirit. We are not letting the Word of God change us, right, and transform us. We're not being freed from those things by God's Word. Yeah, and, it, and it, our attitude tells a story, right? What is it, when we aren't patient, what does it say about God? I think there's two main things I'm thinking. Say it again. Okay, so what does it say about God? But yeah, when we are when we're impatient, what does it say about God? Man, he's really patient with us. He is really patient with us, right? What else does it say about God? What does it say to the world around us? There's yeah, why would why do I want that kind of God? That's what God produces. I don't want that kind. God, I don't need, I, I can be that without church. I can be that without the Bible, so-called Bible. I can be that without being a Christian. Yeah, it, impatience says a lot, right? The flesh says a lot. Colossians 3, I'm going to uh, quickly read these here. Colossians 3, 12 and following, Paul says, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on, clothe yourselves with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you. This is interesting. This is a taking off of one kind of clothing and putting another clothing on. I wrote in my notes here, we need to change our tune. You ever say that to your kids? Ever like, you need to change your tune right now, right? I get that pep talk from God. Like, hey, this, and this is the verse. Here's why. I need to be patient with one another because he's treated me that way. And it goes on. Uh, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule in your hearts. Let God's peace rule in your heart. And then it goes on, and be thankful. So there's this building that's happening here. As we clothe ourselves this way with compassion and kindness and humility and patience and gentleness, God, we, we understand we're forgiven and we can forgive, and God's, God's peace starts to rule in our hearts. Because we think about how he's treated us, and if he's treated us that way, I can certainly treat you that way. In fact, I owe it to God to love you that way. And be thankful, so it's welling up in us. Let the word of Christ, again, the word, dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, here's the change of tune, through psalms. What, how do we speak to one another? We sing songs to one another. Songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, singing to God uh, with gratitude in our hearts. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What do we give thanks for? Thank you, God, for not smiting me right now. I should have been smoted a long time ago, right? 
And because I haven't, because he's forgiven me, that I can, I can live differently. The last part of this. I want you to know God is doing something. God is always up to something. We, and we don't always know what he's up to, do we? So I want you to write this in your notes if you're a note taker. Don't waste your waiting. Don't waste your waiting. That's the, the biggest thing you can do with your impatience. Um, oh, come on. And just sit there and do nothing. God's like, no, be intentional. Love people. Do, it, just as I'm saying, not yet. Just, I'm not going to delay my promise. You can still live a life that loves me. Live a life of the, in the Word and, and, and love me. I want to look at um, a verse in, in Luke 2. This is when Jesus was being dedicated at the temple, right? He's just baby born, baby Jesus. He's going to the temple. And really neat, there's a man in Jerusalem named was Simeon. You remember Simeon? This man was a righteous man and devout. He's looking forward to Israel's consolation. So if you and I are to think about this, if we're to think about not wasting our waiting, it means our eyes are looking forward to something bigger. And what was his? He was looking forward to Israel's consolation. When Israel would be God's chosen people again, they would be the ones that thrive, when they would be rescued and redeemed by God, and it would be, it would be how God had always intended. He was looking forward to that. Was he seeing it? Nope. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Well, what a promise, right? He's like, yeah, you're looking forward to Israel's consolation. It won't even happen once you see the, the Messiah, but you're looking forward to that. And, I, and I'm going to make sure, God's like, I'm going to make sure you see the Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms. And he praised God and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you you, or my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and glory to your people Israel. This is baby Jesus. We're not even talking like he died on the cross already and resurrected, and everyone's like, yes, he's the way, the truth, and the life. This is, this is him not wasting his waiting. This is him saying, I, I'm going to be all about what God wants me to be, be about. And I, every glimpse I get of that, even if I don't see it in reality right today or tomorrow or the next week, I'm going to live like it's real because it is. That's not wasting your waiting. Keep, and with keep our eyes on the prize, right? Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, Hebrews 11 was the hall of faith, right? With all the people who live by faith, live by faith, live by faith. Because of this large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us then lay aside every hindrance in the sin that so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes, where? On Jesus, right? The pioneer, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that laid before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Like Simeon, we gotta keep our eyes on the prize. Keep our eyes on what's really important. Keep our eyes on what's eternal looking forward to our redemption and, and, and ultimately the restoration of all things. Verse 3 says this, Consider him. This is the last part of today's study. You and I, you want to grow in patience? Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and give up. You want to grow in patience? 
Consider him. Consider him. Don't grow. Okay? Let me pray for you. God, thanks for tonight allowing us to be here together and God, to grow in your word and the knowledge of your word. God, sometimes it's very uncomfortable to look at your word because it makes us look introspectively, but God, how freeing it is when we see your word come to life. When we know that your word is living and active and can change us because it's sharper than a double-edged sword. So God, we ask that we, that we would grow in patience. That we grow in patience because you are patient with us. You're slow to anger and abounding in steadfast, faithful love. And God, we would see your patience and we would see it modeled and we would, we would live modeling that patience as well to others around us. That God, we wouldn't well up with pride or ego or contempt or condemnation towards other people because of injustices or injuries or insults, God, or just being put out. But God, we would, we would model what it means to love and forgive and to let, let love, your love, bring people to faith in Christ. And God, as we, as we look forward, help us fix our eyes on Jesus, considering him who, who died for us, that we won't grow weary, and God, that we wouldn't waste our waiting. That God, every moment that we have on this, this side of heaven is a moment you're going to use us for your glory. May we partner with you, and may we be about our Father's business as the Lord Jesus was when he was on earth. We thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.